The purchaser of a newspaper desires an article which he can appreciate at sight, which he can lay down and say, an excellent article, very excellent, exactly my own sentiments. Welcome back to Politics, the podcast that gives you all the recent political developments. This is Ed Castell, and I'm joined once more by Johnny Langton. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. Did you enjoy my little quote at the beginning? That was, was lovely, yeah. Walter Badger um, in the National Review, July 1856. Okay, that's stretching back a little bit. But even then, people realised that newspapers and the news could sometimes reflect their own opinions and prejudices, which I think is what he's getting at. Absolutely. So, Johnny, today, shall we give a little talk about the news, how we both stay informed on the complex world of politics um, and what the pitfalls might be? Absolutely. So, OK, so we're both politics teachers. So a big part of our job, a lot of hours we spend in the week is reading the news. So we need to keep up to date with the news because textbooks, as we know, go out to date within probably about a month or two, right? And then we need to, as part of our job as teachers, keep our students informed of these political developments. So, Mr. Castell, how do you keep up to date with your news? I would say it's a mixture of traditional media, so things like uh, the traditional big four newspapers um, and some of the weekly newspapers, like, like The Economist, not necessarily in physical print format because now they're all available digitally on websites. I use news aggregators, which I will um, talk about. So essentially on things like Apple News or Google News, they aggregate all sorts of articles that are published freely by big media news organizations um, for free. So you can put in, for example, show me all the articles on US political news and it will do that for you, um, which is a really good resource, um, entirely free. And then I'd say the other big source these days is podcasts, like the one we're doing right now. But there are plenty of really good ones out there. How about you, Johnny? I would say day to day, most of my news comes from BBC News app, Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera, Johnny, talk me through that one. Do you watch it? I have seen it, but I'm much more a BBC News Channel man normally. I do enjoy watching BBC. I tend to watch BBC on the weekends, so I'll watch a bit of Laura Koonsberg, who I have mixed opinions about as a as an interviewer, but uh, it's a good news show nonetheless. Al Jazeera is good for a few reasons. Number one, it's really easy to get. It's on YouTube, right? So it's, it's on YouTube, there are no ad breaks, uh, there's good documentaries on there, but most importantly, the big benefit of Al Jazeera is it's global, and you get this source of global news which you don't get to the same extent with BBC. So to give you an example, I learned about the Guyana situation from Al Jazeera, and then I went on the BBC News app and I couldn't find it because it wasn't there. And it's a serious story about Venezuela trying to annex mm. two-thirds of Guyana's um, territory. It's a massive story that I didn't see on the BBC. Um, not to criticise the BBC too much because they can't cover every story, but they're lighter on global news, I think, which is why Al Jazeera comes in. It can depend on the BBC which channel actually look at, doesn't they? Because I think on their sort of worldwide BBC news channel, they cover a bit more international stuff than the 
sort of BBC News channel within the UK. But I think I, I see your point. I think Al Jazeera, because it gives us a completely outside perspective to Britain, if, but it's still English language news channel. It gives that sort of global perspective that you don't get elsewhere. Absolutely. In particular, the apps. So the BBC News app has a world section, which is sometimes lacking. Whereas Al Jazeera's app, they will report on everything. If there's a general election in Cameroon, mm-hmm. there will be a report on it, and they'll have someone on the ground in Cameroon. It just makes... Um, it, it reaches more corners of the globe, and it also makes for a more entertaining news channel, I think. Okay. Well, that's um, really good. I mean, so we've talked about our own news experience. Um, shall we just do a brief like roundup of all the different options available, and maybe just have a quick chat about what we think the advantages and pitfalls are? Ah, first of all, let's talk about social media because that is the new big kid in the block when it comes to keeping up with the news. So, when I was in the distant past, you know, at university or first get taking an interest in politics, the world, yes, there was the websites, so, you know, there were websites and digital news, but it was still very much a world dominated by print media and big news outlets. Now, social media has really shifted the balance especially if we look at it from a generational perspective. So in the UK, according to Reuters Institute of Politics at um, Oxford, 41% of 18 to 24-year-olds say social media is now their main source of news, which is up from 18% in 2015. So it's really exploded. And if we go into that in a little bit more detail, um, audiences tend to say that they pay much more attention to celebrities, influencers, and social media personalities on networks like TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat than users of, say, uh, Twitter or X and, and Facebook, which tends to have a bit of an older demographic. And, and that's actually reflected in the age demographic. So if 41% of 18 to 24s get it that way. Um, if you're above 35 years of age or 35 and above, 52% um, get news from a direct news website or app, for example, the BBC, Al Jazeera, whereas only uh, 24% of 18 to 24-year-olds do it that way. So you can see a, a big difference in news habits by demographic and, and by age group. And to add to that, I found a stat too. 16 to 20, no, sorry, 65 plus year olds, they watch 200 hours on average of TV news per year. 16 to 24 year olds, a figure is 16. It's okay. a huge difference. So do we think this is a problem, Johnny? So would you be recommending to our younger listeners not to get so much news from social media? What do you think? I think it depends on the source. So it depends on the source. I think it's really important to that particularly younger voters and younger people in general, understand the difference between the purposes of news. Whether this news is designed to persuade you or whether this news is designed to inform you. And the difference there in social media is is sometimes um, a bit of a grey area for students and for young adults in general. So as long as uh, sources of news are fair and, and, um, and balanced and reasonable... There's nothing wrong with getting new news from social media. No, and I, th- I think it, it's absolutely how you get it. So if it's algorithms doing it, I mean, that same survey, less than a third, um, 30%, said that having stories selected for me on the basis of previous consumption, in other words, articles that you've seen or liked, therefore been fed similar ones, is a good way of doing it. And I think if you 
deliberately choose to follow someone, say a political party or a journalist or you know a, a political expert, then that can be a really good way of getting up-to-date news. So you, know, you could follow, say, BBC News or Political News or some of like the big uh, politicians on X, Twitter, and therefore you'd get their insights on a day-to-day basis. So it's, it's, it's about how you access it, I think, isn't it? Do you think there is much of a difference between what you've just described and newspaper editors using algorithms or using something similar in a way? Well, let's talk about newspaper editors then. So, so that, if that's social media, so I think we're saying yes with caution and probably not to make that your only source of news. And, and that's the thing. If, it's your, if that's your primary source of news, then I think you're going to get a very skewed perspective. So let's have a quick survey of the traditional print media then. So within the UK, we've got the big four, so the Times, the Independent, the Guardian and the Telegraph. Uh, historically, they were skewed uh, and have towards different political leanings. So the Times, kind of centrist, maybe slightly leaning to the right. The Independent, more on the liberal side. The Guardian, more left-wing, Labour-supporting. The Telegraph, much more Tory-supporting um, newspapers. But all four of them, I'd say, are still good quality media outlets. And what's important is that, yes, they'll give you a perspective and skew and have editors that will shape things towards their audience. And that takes you back to the Badgett quote at the beginning. You know, it's, it's, it's lovely to read an article, essentially, that where, which you agree with. That said, like the BBC and Al Jazeera that we've already talked about, they have big teams of journalists. And I think this is important in getting news. Do you have reporters that are researching, finding news stories who know about it and talk about it and then write articles? Because otherwise you might just be getting opinion or people essentially fabricating things. Whereas at least if you go for these out outlets we need to understand they have biases for sure but equally they do have certain editorial standards and they'll have teams of researchers who will be trying to break news stories and and get the latest scoops and there is uh, accountability for newspapers of course as well which is important to note whereas social media there is a distinct lack of accountability you've got the independent press standards organization which is set up following following Maleficent inquiry in order to uh, try to regulate the press to a certain degree. So how but, successful? So how successful that is then is up to your own personal judgment. Of course, at least you know you'll be getting some sort of quality news um, analysis, and and they are well written. So those big four are daily newspapers. So they're available every day of the week. As you say, you don't need to. You don't need to go to a news agent to get it in a printed format. They are available digitally, although some of them do have paywalls to go through. Although all four of them will push articles to aggregators such yeah. as Google News or Apple on some of their news stories. The other ones I would recommend on more of a weekly basis. Uh, first of all, we've got The Economist. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit higher brow, but it is excellent for giving about four or five articles from each different areas of the world. So you've got good articles in America, good articles, say, on European news, good articles on British news. You'll get much more of a worldwide perspective than some of the other newspapers. Um, And the other one is um, a publication called The Week, which essentially surveys all of the newspapers in Britain and often America and other parts of, of the world and gives you a condensed version of it so it gives you an overview of of a variety of news outlets so it's really good for getting that sort of it's really good for getting a survey of the media landscape of that week so i suppose what a quite a recent phenomena would be podcasts and how they have taken over um taken over the world you've got 
every it's is that what we're doing, Johnny? Taking over the world? I think so. Yeah, we're we're joining the efforts to take over the world. I think it seems like every media personality has a podcast or is attached to a podcast in some way, and it seems to be incredibly lucrative. There's a lot of podcasts to choose from. I think that is one of the big challenges, particularly uh, when it comes to politics and it comes to opinions. Let's give a few of our favourite then. What do you think of the news agents? So the news agents, that's made up of some of the BBC personalities. So you get some top level political journalists. The one I would really recommend is um, the news agents USA with um, Emily Maitlis and John Sopel, who are America experts from the BBC. We'll give you a British perspective, so an outsider's perspective, but they've got excellent connections in America and will often get guests on to talk about it. So the news agents USA is really good. Another one that's very similar to that is Americast, which is another BBC one. Um, all about America. Um, and then if I'm, since we're on the subject of United States podcasts, I would say the NPR politics podcast. So that's made up of the national, so that is the national public radio podcast. So it's made up, so this is an American podcast made up of uh, political journalists from across America for, who are for public, from public radio stations. Again, it's like a weekly feed that, that is really handy for getting an update on American politics. I agree. The um, News Agency USA podcast I was listening to this morning, they were talking about uh, what a second term would look like under Donald Trump and how he is trying to appeal to the evan- evangelical vote because they went 13%, 13% swing to the Democrats in the last election, so he needs to get them back. Um, it's really insightful. Uh, I think last week or the week before, they had Sean Spicer on, the old press secretary for Trump, and it got quite uh, combative with Emily Maitlis, which was really good to hear. Um, Another podcast I really like is For The Many. It's Ian Dale, who's a well-known journalist on LBC, and Jackie Smith, the former Home Secretary. Uh, It's a bit more lighthearted. It's less intense, but it's still incredibly insightful. Uh, because you have Ian Dale, who has plenty of contacts, been in business for 30 years, knows plenty of people, lots of inside information. And then, of course, Jackie Smith, who is a former uh, holder of a great office of state. And, of course, we've got to mention the really big ones. In particular, The Rest is Politics, which yep. is one of the most popular podcasts across any uh, category or genre, I think. Um, so that's hosted by Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell. So Alistair Campbell was the old spin doctor from, from the New Labour days, known for his very forthright, combative views, but um, is a bit more measured, I, I guess, on, on, on the podcast and has a useful insight from that. Then Rory Stewart was a minister um, during the Conservative government era under Theresa May and then resigned um, in 2019 over when Joris Bonson came leader. But they give... I think they, the way they say it is uh, disagreeing amicably, isn't it? So they give their sort of, they're from different political backgrounds, but will review the news of the week and they try and give an international as well as a British political um, update. What do you think of it? I think the good thing about West, restless politics, apart from the, uh, the insight and everything you've talked about before, is they do make a real effort to look at global news as well and they look at stories that might be forgotten by um, the mainstream media. Um, these stories like the, for instance, in the last month or two, they've been really covering Spanish politics and they've been covering uh, what's going on in the Netherlands over their uh, recent elections. So that attracts me as well as a big fan of global politics. Amazing. 
I'm a big fan as well of Political Currency, the new podcast by George Osborne and Ed Balls, which is a really unlikely pairing at first because they were... I had no idea. He was at George Osborne's wedding, apparently. Yeah, so George Osborne was obviously the Conservative uh, Chancellor under David Cameron's government, and his opposite was Ed Balls. And so they were always at each other over the dispatch box. But it seems that since they both have left politics... Um, in, in some ways by their own admission as failures in their respective fields, they've actually become fairly good friends and um, and they give a really nice insight because they have so many contacts and so much insight at the, at the very highest level because obviously they operate at a slightly higher level than Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell in that in, in terms of their positions because George Osborne Chancellor, Ed Balls um, was, had ministerial rank under the new Labour years but was then Shadow Chancellor as well so they're like at the very top level of politics and give their insights on, on you so that's a recommendation. Then, as a slightly different one, if we're talking about these kind of podcasts that give an overview of political stories every week, uh, the Today podcast. So the Today is a a famous Radio 4 programme. Now, the demographic for Radio 4, I mean, I listen to it every morning on the way into work, but famously it's quite older, so it's for the um, old generations. But it's a really good radio show. But two of their hosts, Amal Rajan and Nick Robinson, have a weekly podcast where they go a bit more in-depth into things. And they've got excellent political connections. So again, you get lots of insights. Private Eye podcast, have you listened to that? Oh, I haven't, That actually. is quite good. If, you, if you're a big fan of Have I Got News For You, and that kind of humour, particularly in his lot, um, the Private Eye podcast is exactly like... Is it have funny? Like the... It's funny, yeah. And they've got some good journalists on there. They've got... Uh, Helen Lewis, who's all right. We've also got Adam McQueen, who wrote Lies of a Land, which we reviewed. Oh, we did. Um, so it's it's a really good it's a really good podcast. And I say, if you like the podcast, then which, which I'm going to definitely listen to now, go and get the actual print of the Private Eye as well. That is one that you should yeah. still get physically from a shop to get lots of cartoons, lots of satirical yeah. humour, which is um, a really well, it's always made, always made me laugh in the past. I ordered that. When I lived in South Korea. Did you? And it was the same price. Did, were you one of those? In Private Eye, it's notorious for having the letters pages, people who write in a sort of slightly mock humour way that they're cancelling their subscriptions over <laughs> some outrageous thing. Did, did you cancel your subscription in, in an outrageous Absolutely not. Letter? I would never do that. Finally, just a very quick couple of recommendations. If you're looking for something a bit more in-depth... There is a podcast called These Times by Helen Thompson, who is a Cambridge professor of political economy, um, and the unheard political editor, Tom McTaggu. And they essentially take a bit more of a historical economic take on developments. So you'll get a more broad, a broader view on things. And then if you want, if you're interested in political ideologies and ideas, David Runciman, who used to head up the politics department at Cambridge, has a podcast called Past, Present, Future, which is worth a, a listen to if you're into political ideas and ideologies and, and how they're shaped. But, they're, but both of those are a bit more heavy going, that they're not a light listen. Well, we've covered a lot of ground, Johnny. If we had one final bit of advice then, because because we're not, clearly, we're not going to be listening to all of these or, or looking at all of those. If someone, say, is largely relying on their social media feed, and we said, well, a couple of bits of advice to get started with the news, where should they go? I think it would have to be the BBC. Would be the solid start to make. The BBC gets a lot of criticism from both left and right. I would suggest that's probably... A compliment, ultimately, if you're getting criticism from both sides. It's a good place to start because it is reliable. It is um, carefully 
It is carefully balanced. The articles on there are uh, to inform the reader, and that's a good place to start. Once you've got the BBC, that's fine for you to explore other apps, but just be very conscious of the apps that you use and do your research. I agree. If you can add like a, one of the big newspapers in terms of like a website, then The Guardian, for example, is free. Um, so be yeah. aware they have a perspective, but they will give you excellent journalism. But yeah, the BBC is always going to be the starting point. Then added to that, I would just say maybe a couple of podcasts that are available just once a week that give an overview of news stories. So any of those that we've mentioned, like the rest is politics or today podcast or any of those would be um, a good starting point. I think the news agents is probably the, uh, it's the podcast I would go to first. It's not the one I listen to the most now, but there's they're, they're, I think the most regular in terms of um, output. And they cover a variety of topics and they are very current as well. So I would probably start there and then move into potentially restless politics can be quite opinionated. So Johnny, um, hang on. We've gone through all of these variety of like worldwide news outlets and yeah. trying to get the quirky things. <laughs> and we've just ended up falling back on the good old BBC. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the place to start. And then you, you learn what you can find elsewhere and you explore, but with a good, solid... Um, Good, solid foundation of news. Well, I couldn't agree more. And on that note, thank you very much, Johnny. Thank you to everyone for listening and see you again soon. Oh, look who's turned up. Yeah, we're it's done anyway, I think. Are we? It's like, it's just what, a couple more. Right. Well, you're not mid-flavor. Yeah. We're on mid-flavor. That's right. Oh, are you marking tonight, are you? Yeah.